Good morning, church. It's me again. You know what that means? We're still talking missions for 2024. In recent weeks, I've come to you to talk about the First Baptist Church of Anchorage, Alaska, Solid Rock Bible Camp down in Saldotna, Alaska. But I've heard you, and some of you are saying you don't want to go that far from home, or you can't commit to being gone that long, or it's a financial commitment. How about that flight from Charlotte to Anchorage? It's brutal. That part's true but it's so worth it. Don't let that prohibit you from going. But if you do want to stay closer to home and have a shorter trip, I have that for you too. How about the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home? Kennedy Home down in Kinston, North Carolina. That should not sound new to you. We've been partnering with them for almost 20 years. In the beginning, it was our senior adult ministry along with our Epic crew that would go down there once a year. In recent years, we've opened it up to any adult that wants to go. In April, there will be a big food drive, and the Kennedy Home will receive a lot of food and dry goods that will need to be put in their pantry. We'll follow up in May to go down there to clean things up and organize their shelves. And if we have time, they've got some other light projects they would like for us to do. We'll also have time to interact with the children, both in playtime and in Bible study. I also hear that there is going to be pizza and ice cream sundae if you needed another reason to say yes. If you've never been to the Kennedy Home, you're missing a treat down east. The home itself is absolutely spectacular. It sits on a 1,200 acre plantation. The history of the home is that Mr. and Mrs. William Kennedy donated their 1,200 acre plantation to the Baptist Children's Home in 1912. And in 1914, they welcomed their first children there to live. Mrs. Kennedy was so committed to this project, she wanted to build one more building in honor and in memory of her father. Unfortunately, Mrs. Kennedy fell ill, but she was able to see that project come to fruition. She thanked the builder and passed away shortly thereafter, but her memory lives on. If you're looking for a place to serve this summer, maybe the Kennedy home is for you. We'll be talking about it and all of our mission opportunities on January the 14th at 5 p.m. Come to that meeting. You'll have an opportunity to sign up if this is the trip for you. I look forward to seeing you there. Good morning. I'll get some lights in just a minute. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have been to the Kennedy home over the years? Would you just raise your hand? Yes, all over. And I see Dr. Willis over here. He actually began that partnership, taking groups there uh, with us. And we miss him and Doc going with us. They were always the ones leading the way. And we appreciate them uh, helping us in that partnership. And it's always great to go down there and see the folks at Kennedy home. Usually when we get down there, there's one or two children, uh, teenagers, that make decisions to follow Christ. And so that's also an awesome reason uh, that we go down there. But we would love to have you again January the 14th on that Sunday evening. You come and hear about all the mission opportunities that are going to be happening in 2024. There's all kinds of trips being planned. And thank you so much for your giving and going uh, in missions here at Pitts Baptist Church. We do want to welcome all of you that are with us today. Uh, if you're a guest of ours, we want to ask you to please take one of the care cards that are located there in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, please fill in your information. We, don't, we want to at least send you something from our church, and thank you for being with us. There's information you can request uh, on the back of that, and then for all of us, is a place to put prayer needs. If you have a prayer request, we want to know about that as a staff and be praying for you. As you leave this morning, there are two giving boxes that are located on either side of the double door as you go out. Uh, you can place those in those boxes, and they'll be sure to get to the right people so we can be praying for you. But again, thank you for being with us today in worship. And also, I want to wish you a happy New Year's Eve. I uh, hope all of you had a great time spending time with your family over the Christmas holidays. I know uh, we did, got to see our grandsons and spend some time with them. I know Scott and Connie made a quick trip 
uh, out west, which is a long haul to go for just a few days. And so if you see Miss Connie praying through the service, give her a little bit of slack. Um, no, <laughs> uh, you pray with your eyes open today. Okay. Anyway, uh, we also, we have a QR code. If you notice that on the screens where you're seated, you can actually take your phone out right now and scan over that with your camera uh, and hit that QR code and get our Friday blast that goes on our email blast and also register for that. Uh, we, if you want to get a lot of this information online and have it in your phone, uh, do that. And each week that will come out so you know the details of where you need to be and what's going on here at Pitts Baptist. But take a moment to do that. Uh, it'll help you uh, considerably. Thank you for your generous giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, 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 through last week, we have collected over $46,000 of our $85,000 church goal. Uh, we're going to leave this open through January. So if you can continue or haven't been able to give yet to that, we would love to reach that $85,000 goal. All of that money goes to our international missionaries that are on the field, several from our church to help support them. So if you can do that, please pray about that and give as the Lord leads you. Our ladies' ministry is sponsoring a challenge to read through the Bible in 2024. They have a helpful resource called the Recap Bible. Uh, you can get more information at the information desk out in the lobby, and those are available there for you, and there are folks there that can answer your questions. As a church, we have been studying Master Life together. Uh, in our community groups, this week's session was entitled Your Spirit and the Holy Spirit. You know, when we become a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. And God begins the process of, of changing us to be more like Him. But then there are times that we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit for a special task. Maybe it's to witness to someone at work or on a mission trip or to encourage someone who needs godly counsel. As believers, it is important to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to fill us, and to become more like Him. Uh, uh, to, to allow others to know the truth of the gospel. So this week's verse is Ephesians 5, 18b. It's a real easy one. Can you say it with me? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18b. What a great challenge. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we pray together? God, we thank you for the year of 2023. I'm sure there were a lot of challenges for each one of us over this year. But also, God, there are things we can look back on and, and see blessings that you have given us. And God, we thank you for those. Even some of those trials have strengthened us. And God, in a way, those are a blessing too. We do pray for the needs that are represented in this room, God. You know each one better than we uh, know them. And God, we ask for wisdom that you would give us uh, that to know what to do in those situations. God, for family members who are hurting and uh, are struggling maybe with cancer or uh, this time of year thinking through uh, a loved one that we've lost and are lonely. God, I pray for each one of those that are uh, represented in this room, God. We pray for this service. God, as we uh, worship you today, as we uh, even tonight, celebrate going into 2024, God, that you would make this year a, a year that we would see maybe a loved one come to know Jesus, that we would have opportunities to share the gospel, God, this next year and 
we would see people come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, for our church, that we would continue to, to see growth, not just numerically, but in our walk and the way we serve you and the way we love you and love our community. God, I pray we would be about that as a church family. God, we pray for our pastor today as he comes and uh, uh, leads us in a message today, a message that you've given him. God, that you would fill him with the power of the Holy Spirit, and that you would use him today and speak through his mouth to our hearts, God, and that we would, we would listen to what you may want to say to us. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Help us to worship you and that you would be honored with what is done. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm thinking about what we could sing at the end of this year and the coming year. What better way to end the year by singing together with your church family about what we believe. So let's do that this morning. In this time of desperation, all we know is doubt and fear. There is only one foundation we believe. We believe, and in this broken
Thank you, choir. Take your Bibles out and turn with me to John's Gospel, please. John chapter 16. John chapter 16, the ever-present Spirit. You know, I think it's, uh, it's unique in some ways that we're ending a year and beginning a new year speaking of the Holy Spirit. Because listen to what Paul says in in Galatians chapter 5 he says but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do and so what's the challenge again to walk in the power of the Spirit. And what a great challenge for each of us uh, in this coming year. Uh, If you're keeping track in your book, which I hope you are, you've had two weeks to work on this unit. So everybody ought to be pros at it, right? Uh, You know, it was really challenging this week to decide which direction within that unit I wanted to go. So many directions uh, that I could potentially go. Uh, But find uh, John chapter 16, and this morning we'll be reading together verses 5 to 15, talking about the ever-present Spirit and making some application of of His ministry to our lives this morning. So stand with me for the reading of God's Word, please. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 5, Jesus says, But now I am going to Him who sent me, And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Father, we thank you this morning for the person of the Holy Spirit, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we think of how Jesus said in John 6, 44, no one can even come to him unless his Father's Spirit draws that person to him. Lord, we thank you for the richness of his ministry, for the way he convicts of sin, the way he comforts and gives peace, the way he strengthens, the way he enables us to do ministry and bear fruit to the glory of God. God, I pray that in 2024, each of us would walk in the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, that we would not try to live the Christian life in our own strength. But Lord, that we would lean upon you and trust you in everything and with all of our hearts. Now Lord, teach us from this passage this morning. And I pray that you would help us to make application of Jesus' words here to our very lives. All to the glory of God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this morning I want to begin by tying in what I say about the Holy Spirit to Christmas. You remember in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph had a dream. And in that dream, the angel told Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary to be his wife. Because that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. And the angel said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he went on to say, his name shall be Emmanuel, which means God with us. We celebrate the fact at Christmas that God is with us. And what a wonderful truth that is. And not only is God with us, but as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, God is for us. And we know that because he's demonstrated his love for us in sending his son, providing us with a savior. And so we know God is with us and God is for us. The Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. But I want to say to you today that just as God sent his son to show us that he is with us, he has also given us of his spirit. His Holy Spirit. 
In Acts chapter 2, you can read about when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers. The Holy Spirit came upon them and supplied them with the power that they needed to begin fulfilling the Great Commission. And something else we see about this is the disciples were radically different men and women after the coming of the Spirit. I mean, before the coming of the Spirit, here they are cowering in fear. After Jesus' resurrection, they've locked themselves up together in the upper room and, and they're hiding out. They're worried about the authorities. But after the Holy Spirit comes on them, these same men are out boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus in the streets of Jerusalem. And they're telling the authorities there's salvation in no one else, only in the name of Jesus. They were radically different people because of the Holy Spirit. And folks, the Holy Spirit is a testimony to the fact that God is with us. It's just like Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission. He said, I will be with you until the end of the ages. How is he with us? Through the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so today I want us to look at the ministry of the ever-present Spirit. And again, because of the Christmas holiday, you've had two weeks to work on this unit. And what we're going to see is that the Holy Spirit is God, just as the Father is God, and as the Son is God. The Holy Spirit is in all believers. Paul said in Ephesians 1.13 that at the moment of our conversion, God seals us as his children by the Holy Spirit. And what this means is there's one baptism of the Spirit at conversion, but many fillings. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're to bear the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life. He works in our spirit to conform us to the image of Christ in order to make us more like Jesus. And his ministry is to bear witness of the Son. He doesn't bear witness of himself, but he magnifies Christ. And so what a wonderful thing the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit offers to each believer. The first thing I want you to notice with me this morning concerning the Holy Spirit is that he has a global presence. In verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. As Jesus has been pointing out uh, here in the previous verses, if we were to go back and read uh, those other verses, we would see that as believers we're not going to be without challenges in this world. We live in a world without love. And we live in a world that is not going to embrace Christians oftentimes because of our convictions. In fact, sometimes the world is even going to hate us and persecute us. And as we've seen in the news this past week, what, over a hundred believers in Nigeria were put to death simply for being Christians. 
We know that we live in a world that will oppose us because it opposed Jesus. And we live in a world likewise without peace. And we see that evidence around us every day as well. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that in the last days we will see dangerous times, perilous times. If you don't believe that, just read the headlines in the news every day. The world is a loveless place and it is a place without peace. But in this world, Christians are to be different. And we're able to be different because of the Holy Spirit who is with us. We have God with us through the person of His Spirit. Jesus said here in our passage today, It is to your advantage that I go away. And now what Christ is pointing out here is that in the incarnation He emptied Himself. Now, He did not empty Himself of His divine nature or His attributes. But nonetheless, He limited Himself to what a man in the flesh can do as far as His humanity. Please don't think that in the incarnation Jesus emptied himself of his nature or his attributes. You can't cease to be who you are. But in the incarnation he limited himself. He's fully God and yet fully man. And so Jesus limited himself with his humanity. And an example of that would be how Jesus could only be in one place at one time. If he was at a feast in Jerusalem, then at the same time he was not on the shores of the Sea of Galilee teaching. He chose this limitation. You may recall how Mary and Martha were exasperated on one occasion. They said, Lord, had you been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus in the flesh could not be everywhere at the same time. But Jesus was promising us that in the midst of it all, the Holy Spirit will be right here with his children wherever we are. There'll never be a time that he is not with us. The Holy Spirit would not be subject to the same limitations that Jesus placed upon himself. And so this morning as I preach here in Concord, North Carolina, hopefully God will use this message while at the same time somebody could be preaching in Dallas, Texas and God will use that message likewise. Somebody can be in a hospital bed here in Concord, North Carolina and the Lord can be with them and comfort them and the Lord can be with the believer in Thailand or South Korea or wherever. The Holy Spirit is not limited. And so for that reason, Jesus said it would be to our advantage for him to go so that the Spirit could come. And this is the same reason Jesus said earlier in John's gospel that we would do greater works than Jesus. It's not as though we're greater and can do greater. It's that the Holy Spirit works in and through the body of Christ all over the world. God can work in our midst. He can work in the midst of every group of believers gathered anywhere in the world. And so we can do greater things in that regard. 
This morning all over the world, the Holy Spirit is at work in believers and through believers and in the body of Christ and through the body of Christ. And that's an assurance we can have going into this new year. We can have comfort and peace knowing that He is with us. The Holy Spirit has a global presence. There is nowhere you and I can flee from His presence. Remember King David in Psalm 139? He said, where can I flee from your spirit? If I go up, ascend up into the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you're there. If I take my flight on the wings of the morning, the east, you're there. If I go to the, to the west, you're there. Where can I flee from your spirit? And David knew that there was nowhere he could get away from God's spirit and he was comforted by that because he knew that as a child of God, God was always with him and God was watching over his life. Maybe this morning you think you can run from God or hide or get away from him somewhere. You can't. Remember the prophet Jonah in the Old Testament? He thought he could get away from God. And he ran as fast as he could in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. And he ended up in a whale of a mess. He thought he could get away from God, but he couldn't. You can't get away from him. He's everywhere, a global presence. And you, you know what? It also means that if you're doing something that you're ashamed of, he sees what you're doing. He sees everything. Again, he has a global presence. A second thing I want you to see, not only does he have a global presence, but also a specified purpose. Pick up reading with me in verse 8. In verse 8, Jesus uh, said, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit carries on the work of Christ in the world today. And there are some very definite things that Jesus says here that the Holy Spirit will do. And I simply want us to list those out and talk about them. First of all, we see that he will convict the world of sin. And the word means to bring conviction, to reprove, or to present the evidence. The evidence of what? Of sin. Now you would think that everybody believes in sin, but this is not the case at all. In fact, in our world today, sin is oftentimes becoming nothing more than a ridiculed concept considered outdated and old-fashioned. The world's number one problem is that it doesn't know what its number one problem is. In a survey not too long ago, when asked what the number one problem is, Americans responded by saying crime or violence or homelessness or drugs or poverty or racism or bad politicians. 
No one listed the number one problem. We don't seem to know what it is. We're kind of like the man who made an appointment to go see his doctor. And he got into the doctor's appointment and he said, Doc, I'm scared. I'm dying. And the doctor said, why do you think you're dying? He said, because I'm in agony from the tip of my head to the soles of my feet. And, the, and he went on to tell the doctor, he said, if I touch the top of my head, I'm in agony. If I touch my forehead, I'm in agony. If I touch my nose, I'm in agony. If I touch my chest or my arms, I'm in agony. Or my torso or my thighs or my calves or my feet, I'm in agony. The doctor said, let me examine you then and find out what's going on. At the end of the examination, the doctor said, you're right. You do have something wrong with you. And the man said, see there, doc, I told you, what is it that's wrong with me? He said, you have a broken finger. (laughs) We don't know what our problem is. Folks, sins, plural, are symptomatic of the real problem, which is sin, singular. We commit sins because we are guilty of sins. We have a sin nature. And Jesus says this is what the Holy Spirit zeroes in on. The sin nature. And in particular, there's the sin of unbelief. Do you know that the greatest sin of all is unbelief? In fact, that is the unpardonable sin if you continue in it. And so in a sense, if you are an unbeliever, you are a worse sinner than the worst sinner who ends up coming to Christ. Because it doesn't matter the sins that this worst sinner has done if he or she comes to Christ. If you continue in unbelief, you are a worse sinner than the worst sinner who truly believes. People don't go to hell because they cheat and lie and commit adultery and murder and so forth on and on. They continue in these activities because at heart they are sinners. They have a sin nature that they've never faced and allowed Christ to save them from and cleanse them from. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, works in such a way to convict men of their sin. And draw them to faith in Jesus. Dwight L. Moody once said, If a man is troubled about his sin, it must be the work of the Holy Spirit. He went on to say, For the devil never convicted any man of his sin and that he needed Christ. Folks, as the gospel is read and preached, it is the spirit of the living God that gets a hold of somebody's heart. Preachers can't do that. Sunday school teachers can't do that. Evangelists can't do that. Only God can do that. Only God can get a hold of somebody's heart and show them their need that they are a sinner and they're lost and under condemnation from God and then point them to the solution who is Christ. Only God can do that. Only God. I think of how the New Testament scholar, uh, scholar uh, William uh, Barclay said on one occasion. 
He tells the story of a missionary going into an Indian village and telling the story of Jesus in slides that the Indians could understand and relate to. When it got to the crucifixion scene, one leader of the Indian village stepped forward looking at the screens and he said, come down from that cross, come down from that cross. I, be I belong there, you don't belong there. Folks, how could that Indian leader come to that conclusion? Because of the Holy Spirit convicting him. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. You think of the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples and uh, people in the crowd thought maybe the disciples were drunk or something and then Peter went on to preach a sermon and explain the gospel and what was happening. He gets to the end of that sermon and, and people are cut to the quick in their heart. They're convicted and they asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? Who can do something like that? Only the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 6, No one can come to me unless my Father's Spirit draws him. And so folks, if at some point in your life you started reading your Bible because you sensed that you were lost and you needed God or you started attending church or you went to a revival meeting because you sensed there was a need in your life of, of the Lord, who was working in your life? The Holy Spirit was working in your life. He convicts the world of sin. Not only does he do that, but Jesus went on to say he conveys to us Christ's righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts lost men not only of their sin, but also of their need of righteousness. Why is it that uh, when lost men think about dying, so oftentimes there is fear? Why is there fear? Because they know instinctively that they're going to stand before God and God is going to be looking for something in their lives that they on their own can't deliver. God is going to be looking for a righteousness that in and of themselves they don't possess. Who convicts a person of that? The Holy Spirit. And he convicts us of Christ's righteousness that is sufficient. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. We so oftentimes think in terms of righteousness being what we do, either good or bad. A, man, a good man is righteous, we might think. If I die a good man, somebody thinks, maybe I can stand before God and be okay without fear. That's the way man looks at things. We might think that a religious man also is righteous. That's what the Jews thought. And because of that, they missed out on the message of the cross. Paul says, setting aside the righteousness of God, they've tried to establish their own righteousness based on the law. And the problem is, God doesn't accept man based on his own righteousness because we don't have any. Isaiah, the prophet, said all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. 
And so what the Holy Spirit points out is not only our sin, but our need of righteousness, a righteousness that goes beyond the law or good works. The Holy Spirit conveys to us the righteousness of Christ that we must have if we're going to stand before God. And that's what He does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Think about it this way. Jesus Christ was crucified as a criminal. That was the charge against him. The Jews felt like he had blasphemed God. The Romans thought he was guilty of of treason. But as the centurion stood there at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus die, something changed inside of the centurion. And he ended up saying, surely this man was the son of the living God. Who changed him? Who changed it? Who revealed that to the centurion? The Spirit of God. Saul, on the road to Damascus, when Jesus confronted him and he was a changed man, who who convinced Saul uh, of Jesus, the reality of Jesus, that he needed Jesus in his life? The Holy Spirit was working in him. The Holy Spirit conveys to us God's righteousness. And how by faith we must come to Him, trusting in Him and Him alone to clothe us in His righteousness. You see, we we will stand before a holy and a perfect God one day. And He does not judge on a curve. Okay? He's a perfect, holy, righteous God, and he does not judge on a curve. Grade on a curve. Did you ever have a professor in college that graded on a curve? Did you ever have one of those? Sure you did, right? He graded on a curve, and, and because of that, maybe not as many people in the class failed or something. You made a better grade than otherwise you would have made, right? Because the professor graded on the curve. Well, guess what? God doesn't grade on the curve. Either you're clothed in, in your own righteousness, which if that's the case, you're going to be in deep, deep trouble because, again, you have no righteousness of your own or you will stand there clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if you're saved and clothed in His righteousness, it's only, again, because of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Convicting you of sin and your need of a Savior. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And you know, until the Spirit of God works in somebody's heart, they can listen to sermons, they can listen to radio programs uh, about the gospel, they can can attend Bible conferences, and maybe all they hear is blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's like the light bulbs aren't on. But all of a sudden, one day, they, they get convicted. They know that they need what this person is speaking on. And they open their hearts to Christ. They become a new creation in Christ. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual birth from above. And that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You've got to be born again from above. Born of the Spirit. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
And when a person comes to Christ, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God gives to us the righteousness of Christ. He said, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And so He convinces us or convicts us of Christ's righteousness. But Jesus goes on and says another thing. He also uh, convinces us of judgment. And I want you to notice how Jesus sets this up. We know that Satan not only will be judged, but he has been judged. He has been judged. And we know that his children, those who follow him, will not escape either. And again, man just knows instinctively he's going to stand before God one day and he's going to have to give an account. Again, who is, who is it that puts this in the human heart to prepare us for judgment? It is the Holy Spirit. What I'm trying to say to you today is every one of us can say, thank God for the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Just like we thank God for the redemption we have in Christ, we thank God for the person and work of the Holy Spirit because without His ministry and presence in our lives, we wouldn't be saved. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you're saved... It's because the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart, convicting you of your sin, and drawing you to faith in Jesus Christ. And preparing you for the judgment that you're going to have to face before God one day. So should believers be thankful for the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Absolutely. But then Jesus goes on to say a third thing here about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, pointing out that he will have a continuing proclamation. Beginning in verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He has a continuing proclamation. I read about a man one time who went to Colorado to ski. And as he was skiing, he noticed other skiers on the slopes with red vest on. And as he got closer to the skiers with red vest, he noticed that the words written on the vest were blind skier blind skier and he thought how in the world do they do that and so he began asking some questions and he found out from an instructor that each blind skier is given a guide and they ski close enough together that the blind person can always hear the guide the responsibility of the blind skier is to exhibit complete trust and confidence in their guide and also to immediately respond to their commands. You know what, folks? Life is a lot like that. 
We're rushing along downhill and we don't even know what lies ahead one minute in front of us. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen the rest of today. But because of the Holy Spirit, God has given His children a personal guide. Because when He saves us, He seals us with His Holy Spirit of promise And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. As Jesus met with his disciples, he had been with them for three years. He had taught them day and night. And yet, what did he tell them? I have more things to teach you, but you can't bear them right now. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. And so what what did Jesus say here in his instruction about the Holy Spirit? He will bring things to your remembrance and he will teach you what you need to know as you're ready. He will open more and more understanding of the Lord to you. He will help you to grow as a Christian. And he has that unique ability because he's God's spirit. He perfectly knows God's heart and he perfectly knows your need. And he's able to take a passage from the scripture and perfectly apply it to your life and open your understanding about that passage so you can apply it to your life. He knows how to do that because he's the spirit of God. A comparison here is electricity and a river. Rivers have been dammed up and engineers have come up with a process where power flows into different cities along power grids and into transmission plants. Now, here's all this power that your home and my home couldn't handle. It would fry everything. And so engineers have built transformers, not transmitters simply, but also transformers. These transformers break the voltage down into bite-sized parts so that we can use that electricity in positive ways. That's what the Holy Spirit does with God's truth. As we're able to receive it, He gives it to us in such a way that we can receive it. And and Jesus said he will continue this minute. He will continue teaching, uh, teaching you long after I have left. He will be here with you and he will lead you into the truth. And he will even bring things to your remembrance as you need them. Isn't that wonderful? Haven't you been in a situation before and maybe you were out to lunch at work with somebody and the, spirit, the, the conversation turned spiritual. And all of a sudden, you, the words were there. You were able to witness to this person. And maybe you started saying things that afterwards you're like, where in the world did that come from? I, would, I wouldn't have thought of that in a million years. Maybe as a Sunday school teacher, I'm I'm talking to a teacher in here. You've been standing before your class before and and you say something and all of a sudden something comes to your mind and you go off in a little different direction that helps clarify what you're teaching on and it's not even something you prepared. Who does that? The Holy Spirit does that. Isn't that wonderful? 
the way he leads us and brings to remembrance things as we need them. I once heard a pastor from Georgia give give a great analogy here about the Holy Spirit's ministry. He told about how a large ship, what happens when it enters a harbor? It takes on, on board somebody known as a harbor master. And the harbor master is somebody who knows that harbor like the back of his hand. He knows the currents, the tides. He knows the depth, where the sandbars are. He knows the dangers. He knows everything about that harbor. The harbor master takes over and he's able to safely steer that huge vessel into the docks to be tied up. And then when the ship leaves the harbor, he's able to safely guide it out to the high seas. The harbor master. Well, folks, as we go through life, Jesus Christ has given every believer a harbor master. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now... If we had more time today, we could go on and read about what the Apostle Paul says about the Spirit. How we must walk in the Spirit so we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. We've got to constantly be filled with the Spirit. Baptized with the Spirit one time, filled many times. A Christian is to bear, uh, bear the ninefold fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I want to do a series in the future, near future hopefully, on the fruit of the Spirit. If the body of Christ is going to look anything like Jesus today and be able to be a witness for Jesus, we're going to have to walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, and bear the fruit of the Spirit. The trouble with far too many Christians today is they're still feeding the flesh instead of feeding the Spirit. And you know what, folks, when as believers we grieve the Holy Spirit this way and we don't walk in the Spirit? This is why maybe an unbeliever can look at our lives and say, I don't see anything in him. Why do I want what he or she has? Because I don't see anything in their life. Because we're not walking in the Spirit. They meet another Christian who's walking in the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And they'll say, now I want what that person's got. If we're going to be able to do what God's called us to do. And have a ministry pleasing to the Lord. A ministry that exalts the name of Christ and makes a difference for Him in this world. We're going to have to walk in the Spirit. And bear the fruit of the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. If we're going to accomplish what they're asking us to do in this book that we're going through, Master Life Together. If we're going to have any hope of going through this and seeing that it makes any difference in our lives in church whatsoever. It's going to be that we have been walking in the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. Because otherwise... On our own, things will fall flat and lives won't be changed.
We need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus left his spirit so that we would be empowered and be able to accomplish what he's asked us to accomplish. How foolish would it be on our part to ignore the person and the work of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you some takeaways this morning. First of all, we are not to try to live the Christian life alone. Jesus left us the Holy Spirit to comfort and empower us. Secondly, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and He should be evidenced in your life. Otherwise, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Third, you're to bear the fruit of the Spirit. If you are a believer who is walking in obedience to God and dependency upon Him then He will produce fruit in you that will bear witness to the reality and presence of Christ in your life. Fourth, only the Holy Spirit, only through the Holy Spirit can you serve Christ with impact and influence. And then lastly, as a Christian, it is your responsibility to set your mind on the things of the Spirit and not on the, on the things of the flesh. I'm going to ask you to bow with me in prayer, please. Perhaps this morning as you're facing a new year, <clears throat> maybe there's some rough waters that you're going through currently. And you know that you need the Holy Spirit to be your harbor master. Ask him. In Luke 11, Jesus said, If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, won't your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Maybe you need his wisdom this morning to face something you're, you're going to be challenged with this week. Maybe it's a difficult time for you going into a new year. New issues that work. You need his counsel. Maybe there's a situation you need to turn over to him. Or you simply want to ask him this morning to help you in your loneliness. I want you to see that you're not alone. You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you if you're a saved child of God. He's the helper. The one who comes alongside of us to help us. Ask him to minister to you in your life and to empower you and to teach you. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is calling you to come to Christ. Perhaps for weeks or months now, You've had this sense about your life that, that you're not right with God. You're not saved. You're still in your sin. You're lost. And the Lord has been getting your attention in various ways about this. Come to Him. 
The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Today if you hear his voice, do not turn him away. God, we're so grateful today for your ever-present spirit. That when you left your disciples, you did not leave us alone. You sent another like yourself. And he is with us forever to teach us help and help us. Lord, thank you for your provision for your children. God, I pray that as we venture into a new year, that we would feed the Spirit and not the flesh, that we would walk in the power of the Spirit. And that we would allow you to live your life in and through us. That we can better testify of Christ in a lost and dying world. Thank you for the blessing of your spirit. And God, I do pray for believers right now who may be struggling with things in their lives. That on their own, they simply have not been able to conquer. Lord, help them to conquer those things that need to be overcome in their lives. For those dealing with ministry challenges. And they know that in in and of themselves, they don't have the strength to carry on. Lord, show them that they don't have to do it alone. May they lean into you. And for that one that you've been calling to, I pray that today would be the day that they would invite you into their life and say, Lord, from this moment forward, be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit. Direct my steps. And help me to live in such a way as to glorify Christ in all that I do. Lord, work in lives during this time of invitation according to your will and your good pleasure. We make this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.